0: Well, good morning once again, and welcome to Jordan Valley Church. My name is Wes Holmes, one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to be bringing God's Word to us together this morning as we continue in our series in the book of Luke. The King has come. The King has come, and his name is Jesus. And this morning, as we continue through Luke, we find ourselves in chapter 5. So if you'd like to turn with me to Luke chapter 5, we'll just look at the first 11 verses And we'll consider this together this morning. So Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And this is the word of the Lord. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is God's word, let's pray as we come to it together. Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself to us in ways that are powerful, that you might captivate us, O oh Lord, by who you are And the amazing grace and mercy that you show to sinners. Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, to our minds and to our hearts, that you would show us just a little bit more of who you are, the glory and the splendor of your majesty. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You may or may not know that my family and I, we lived in Montana for about three and a half years. Both our kids were born there, and it is a beautiful place, if you haven't been, it is stunning. Uh, it's big, and there's lots to see. But one of the things that I learned while I was in Montana is that Montana men are tough. Montana men are tough. They will hike miles through snowy mountains for a, for a hunt. Or they'll find the most remote streams and lakes for fishing. You know the kind, they butcher their own deer and elk in their garage. (laughs) Well, for me, this is a foreign thing. I'm a product of the suburbs. And so you could say I don't really fit in with people who have moose antlers decorating their house. But pretty early on, I decided that I needed to learn to either hunt or fish if I was going to fit in at all with these Montana men. So I started to learn how to fly fish. Now, I'm still not very good, (laughs) and I can count on two hands how many fish I've caught. It's probably more just like that. But my experience in learning how to fish has actually given me a greater appreciation for passages like this one. There's some pretty unexpected things happening here in Luke's story. Not only Jesus's fishing miracle, but the reaction of Simon Peter, and then the response of the Lord, these all catch us a little by surprise. What should we make of all this? It seems like Luke is really here wanting to stress the power of Jesus' words yet again in this story. It's like similar to what we saw last week. Jesus cast out demons. He performed healing miracles with his words simply by speaking. And so this morning, we're going to consider that by his words, we are exposed, saved, And called. We're going to explore these three powerful functions of Jesus' words. And these three points will serve as markers to help us understand that at the word of Jesus, we are exposed in our sin, saved by faith alone, and called to follow him. At the words of Jesus, we're exposed in our sin, saved by faith alone, and called to follow him. So let's take a look at this first point, exposed. And before we consider the significance of Jesus' miracle, I want us first to look at Simon Peter. Because when we read that this catch was so big the nets were breaking, we also see that something powerful is happening in the heart of Simon Peter. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, "'Go away from me, Lord.' I am a sinful man. Peter is terrified. Sure, he saw this miraculous catch of fish, but even more, he saw Jesus, the one who performed this mighty work. Who can do things like this? Who is this man teaching the word of God from his boat? At first, Peter just refers to Jesus as master in verse 5. But after this miracle, he calls him Lord. We don't know Peter's whole story before this event, but we do know that he has already witnessed something. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Maybe he wasn't too impressed by that. (laughs) But now Jesus meets him at his work, somewhere where he's at every day, and he begins to see him a little bit more clearly. Peter's beginning to realize that Jesus isn't just any man. He isn't even just a special man who can do some neat tricks. Peter is now deeply aware that in the presence of Jesus, he's in the presence of someone truly holy, powerful, beyond his ability to control. So he falls to the ground. It's an act of humble petition. Now, what would you ask of Jesus after having seen him perform this miracle? Lord, could you maybe come with me and do this a few more times? I mean, wow, I could really use the boost in my fishing business. Or maybe, Lord, you know, this is pretty amazing. You know, could you maybe help my friend with his farming because, man, it's been a rough season and you could just kind of make some crops grow a little more fruitful. Well, instead, Peter says, go away from me, Lord. Odd, right? I mean, doesn't Peter know what he has here? I mean, Jesus can produce food, resources, simply by speaking. This has amazing potential. Wouldn't he want Jesus to stick around? Why does he tell him to go away? It's because he's exposed. He's exposed. The reality that Peter is beginning to understand is that Jesus is the Holy Son of God. He is kneeling before the one with whom he has to do the Lord of all creation, the master of his life. And just as Peter is aware of Jesus' holiness, like a light shining in a dark cave, all the sinful mess of his heart is fully exposed in the holy light. And so Peter is terrified. What does it mean for him to be standing in in the presence of such holiness, such otherness, such power? Has the day of his reckoning come? So his fight-or-flight instinct kind of kicks in, right? He, he knows he can't win a fight against one who is so powerful, and so he tries the flight option. Go away, Lord, go away from me. I can't survive in your holy presence. Just, just leave. You don't want to be around someone like me anyway. Get out of here. But as we see, Jesus actually invites Peter into something altogether different. And that brings us to our second point. Saved. By his words, we are saved. And here, let's take a look at the miracle itself. So you've got your fishermen, they're on the shore, the Sea of Galilee, or Gennesaret as Luke calls it here, and they're wrapping up for the day, cleaning their nets. It's been a very long night of some disappointing fishing. No fish, not one. I can relate. But now along comes this rabbi, obviously very popular since he's being crowded on all sides. He has to get out of the crowd and onto the boat, (laughs) and so he decides to use Simon's empty boat to teach from it. And as he finishes, he says to Peter, Hey, just why don't you put out your net a little further there and and you'll catch something? Peter replies, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. What is Peter thinking at this point, we have to ask? Probably something like this Rabbi, you know, stick to what you know, teach the scriptures, do the religious thing. You know, leave the fishing to me. Because we have to remember, these were men who were professionals, right? This is how they earned their income. They did this every day. They certainly knew what they were doing when it came to fishing. But, on the other hand, it hadn't gone so well the last night. So maybe he figures, why not? I've got nothing to lose. So his reply to Jesus is very insightful. Because you say so, or actually some other translations say, at your word, I will let down the nets. So as Peter and the men throw out the nets, again, (laughs) they're probably saying to themselves, what am I even doing? Man, there is no way. And then suddenly, bam! What happens? The nets are filling. They're getting heavy. They're breaking. There's too many fish. The boats are filling up, and they're starting to sink. How can this be? I mean, they caught nothing last night. Not one fish. The passage tells us in verse 9 that Peter and everyone with him were astonished, or more literally, overwhelmed with amazement. I mean, this isn't something you see every day. This is a supernatural occurrence. And Jesus is at the center of it all. So Peter, being overwhelmed with what he just saw, being exposed by the very presence of Jesus, throws himself to the ground. Jesus had provided abundantly, way more than what they needed, more than even what they could handle. But what does this mean for Peter and his fishing companions? It means they would never need to worry about a bad night of fishing ever again. It means there is someone in control of every area of their lives, including their work. I mean, this kind of experience really puts into perspective what is most important in life. Because most importantly, what does this miracle say about Jesus? It says that he is the Lord of all the fish in the sea, indeed of all creation. He is the one who can do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. He provides for us what we could never provide for ourselves. And Jesus, he gives a hint of this reality, even as he says to Peter, don't be afraid. This is the first thing that Jesus says to him. In the midst of terror, and amazement. Don't be afraid. Because Peter is exposed. Jesus says, fear not. And the real reason he doesn't need to be afraid is because of what Jesus has been teaching the people as he's been traveling around. The word that he's been proclaiming. That he has come not to bring vengeance, but to grant salvation. That he is the king who has come to proclaim liberty to the captives the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the lord's favor remember this is what he has said is fulfilled in your very hearing in the synagogue but this can be hard for us to believe i mean granting that miracles like this actually happened can be difficult but even more so that God's favor would somehow be upon me? You see, what Peter didn't know yet is that Jesus' provision would be much more than this enormous catch of fish. It would be much greater than any earthly resource and far more costly than he could ever imagine. Jesus came to give his life for those who are dead in sin. He came to wash away all the filth of our guilt. He came to save those who know that they are sinners, that they might stand in the presence of a holy God without fear, but in perfect and everlasting acceptance. This is how the Lord proclaimed his favor to us. We are are only called to believe the good news. So think about it. Jesus called Peter to cast his nets. I mean, this is something he's done a million times. But it was faith. Though weak and probably riddled with skepticism, it was faith that moved Peter to trust the word of Jesus and then take this life changing catch. Jesus is calling you today to trust his word, to believe him, to cast yourself into his hands because he says to you, don't be afraid. I love you. Don't give up hope. I died for you and overcame death Trust me. Friends, your acceptance with God in Jesus isn't based in any way of how well you perform or how obedient you are. If you stumble and fall along the way, He will not cast you out. Simply trust in His perfect provision of His life and death and resurrection and you will be saved. And then he'll bind you to himself forever, even as he calls you to follow him into everlasting life. And that brings us to our final point. We are called. By his word we are called. Because Christ saves us from our sin, which means that we no longer need to fear God's judgment. He saves us from our guilt, so we are free from the the shame of our past. But he also saves us from our ongoing tendency to turn from him to other saviors. So to be saved by Jesus means that we're called to follow him into that salvation. And this truth is actually beautifully revealed in Jesus' call to Peter to be fishing for people. Peter is saved by faith in Jesus' mighty word, right? Jesus does the work. He performs the miracle, But then he calls Peter by that same word to follow him. Now, it's interesting. The passage says they pulled up their boats to shore and left everything. We're not even sure what happened to all these fish. (laughs) But the text tells us that Peter and his co-workers, James and John, left their jobs as fishermen to follow Jesus full-time. The Lord called them to a change in employment, Now, that's not what Jesus calls everyone to do. But have you ever considered that Jesus may be calling you to leave your job and follow him? Well, even if he's not, he calls all his disciples, all of us, to be fishers of men, wherever we are. But what does that actually mean? Let's unpack this together. David Hansen is a pastor from Montana, and also a fly fisherman. There's something going on here. He's probably much better than I am. Uh, But he describes fishing for people in terms of living as the fly on the end of God's fishing line. Because when you tie a fly, you use very tightly wound wire and other materials to make an attractive treat for the fish. He says, when God is tying us to catch people, It is often the painful winding of the wire, the poking and the prodding, the the adding and the removing, which makes us the best representation of the real thing. And the real thing is Jesus. We are called to be representations of Christ in his saving power to a hungry world. As fishers of men, we get to repeat the words of Jesus after him, and then we get to see his mighty word do the work. And you can do this anywhere, with anyone. You don't have to give a formal gospel presentation or, or share the four spiritual laws. I mean, as good as these things can be, you can share the words of Jesus in informal ways, drawing small connections between the Bible and from your life. So, how is God calling you to fish for people? It'll probably look different in each setting. If you think about people in your workplace or your neighborhood or even your own home, it'll look a little different in each place. But just like you use different flies in different bodies of water, we can represent Christ in different ways. So, I want to encourage you ask God what it would look like for you to represent and follow Christ in the daily grind of life, wherever you find yourself. But beware, as you're seeking to follow Christ, of all the false saviors that uh, are all around us. Right? These saviors of worldly comfort and wealth, they promise to give you the good life now. Right? Or the Savior of self-righteousness. It promises that your own goodness can overcome your sins. Or even the Savior of blind optimism, which promises that you don't need to honestly face the difficult things about yourself or the world. Following Jesus isn't easy, friends, but it's the most adventurous and life-giving thing that you'll ever do. And in the end, he will lead you into fullness of peace, righteousness, true righteousness and joy. The things we're all longing for, he provides. And so to wrap up, at the the words of Jesus, we are exposed in our sin. We are saved by faith alone, and we're called to follow him. And so as we follow him, he'll continue to expose our sin, but but not to harm us. He's saving us. And remember that to follow Jesus is not to move on from his saving power, but to cling to him more and more. To hear his words. To believe them. And so, brothers and sisters, let's follow Jesus as he prepares us to be fishers of men, holding forth the mighty word of his grace and the hope of everlasting life. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, show us. Show us what it is to follow you. We feel our weakness and our need. And Lord, we need you to carry us because we're stumbling and falling all the way through. But thank you, Lord, that you have shined your light. And that as we look to you, we can know which way to go. So give us strength, O Lord, to reject the false saviors of this world and to cling to you alone as the one who has the power to give eternal life and forgiveness of sin and everlasting righteousness. For we pray it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.